Oh, yeah. Let's get this party started up in here. Whoop, whoop. Hey, this is Mark. You're listening to this show probably on your mobile device, whether it's iOS or Android or even Windows Mobile. <laughs> Who has one of those? Uh, but anyway, you're probably listening, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or some other wonderful mobile app that brings this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. Yeah. But did you also know that you can find this show, among several others in this category, at the Tangent Bound Network? That's right. Go visit TangentBoundNetwork.com. Check it out where you can always get the latest episode of this and other shows quite like it. Although, admittedly, there is no show quite like this one. This is Sarah Miller from Ink Master Season 2, and I have issues. Hello and welcome to Adrian Has Issues. I really hope you've been enjoying the more music-centric episodes of the podcast, mainly because I'm about to do it all again today. My guest is Niche, the host of the internet radio show NicheCast on RadioZenu.com. On July 13th, Niche is hosting Radio Zenu's Top 20 Mid-Year Countdown. Niche explains the origin story of her show, starting at its humble beginnings as a turntable FM chat room, then eventually a pre-recorded podcast, and then transitioning into a weekly live radio show. I met Niche on Twitter roughly around 2012-2013 amidst following dozens of fellow COTF, which is the abbreviation for Children of the Fence, the name given to the diehard fans of the progressive rock band Coed in Cambria. Starting out as internet friends, I've met Niche in person numerous times, usually at Coheed shows, and I can honestly say she's one of my favorite people. Now, you may have heard me geek out about music on this podcast before, but I go really inside baseball on this one at times, as we spend a great deal of time talking Coheed, the band's fan base, and bands that often run in the same circle. So with that said, we end up talking about artists such as Weird Science, which is the hip-hop side project of Coheed drummer Josh Eppard. Uh, let's see, we also talk three, Upgrade Hip Hop, Thank You Scientist, and a bunch of other bands. We also tell stories about our introduction into the prog rock scene initially, and I make a really, really dorky correlation between Coheed and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This episode may be a little different for some of you, but I had so much fun talking to Niche, and I really hope you go out and support her show on Radio Xenu. So without further ado, here is episode 56, which starts, as almost all of my shows do, discussing alcohol. I want to make sure I have my drink because, well, it's always a good idea to get a fresh rum and coke while you're about to do a podcast. I just took a shot of Jack and I have tea. I'm just going to just start off by asking then. Now, do you do like a pre-show like ritual drink or is it just whatever you have? Uh, I usually do the show sober, but like my late night things, I'm pretty trashed. That's right, because I'm so used to you from the podcast that I guess now live it's kind of a different thing. Like, is that just a completely different vibe altogether? Yeah, it's it's definitely super different now because like, uh, you know, there's requests and stuff and uh, I'm, I'm a little more loose with my playlist. I, I have like my specific things that I, I know that I have to play and talk about and just kind of fit everything else around it. 
And now I'm also like more inclined to play older stuff and like bands like Pink Floyd, which I couldn't put on the podcast. Oh, that's right. Because all like the weird rights and everything like that. Yeah. That was actually like the turning point when I was like, shit, I can't post this up anymore because I want it like I forget why, but I just needed to play a Pink Floyd song. I'm probably going to piss off a lot of people and say that for a very long time. I was not a Pink Floyd fan. I would never really go out of my way to listen to them. But then next, you know, I just get these moments where I'd say, you know what? I just feel like listening to Pink Floyd and listen to them for like hours on end. And it was just I just couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> the thing for me was pot. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? Did I miss and that train? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I wasn't so into that stuff back then. Like the Mars Volta, too. Like, uh, I don't know what I was listening to, but I, I wasn't super into the proggy stuff quite yet. And then uh, uh, my friends were like, hey, let's smoke a blunt and listen to animals. So we just sat in like my friend's driveway and hotboxed the car and like I, just animals took me to a different place. And that's still my favorite Pink Floyd album. Oh, man, I really got to think about that. I don't know what my favorite is, but I had that with the Mars Volta. You know, mm -hmm. I was a huge At The Drive-In fan, and I'm not one of those people who followed their career from the very beginning. Like, look, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I got in when Relationship of Command came out. Shit, I got in, in at like in 2005. Oh, so. shit. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, like, One Arm Scissor, like, that song was just my shit. And then I, I'll never forget it. I was at a Best Buy in, uh, matter of fact, I was in the Palisades in uh, Nyack when I bought that. Oh, nice. Um, which, of course, Nyack. I'm like, yay, Coheed. But anyway. <laughs> well, see, that that's the, the funny story of, like, how I got into At The Drive-In was uh, uh, Coheed was doing an evening with show in um, at Irving Plaza. Uh, which is super funny because of T-Pain in the shooting. That's not actually funny, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. It's not funny. But it is funny that, like, fucking gunshots broke out at a fucking T-Pain concert at Irving Plaza, of all places. Just recently, what, a week or two ago, there's a T.I. concert with their shootings. Was that Irving Plaza? Yeah. And I'm like, damn, Irving Plaza just keeps having these really horrible incidents. <laughs> I, th I think that was the one. But yeah, like back in 2005, uh, Coheed did this um, an evening with Coheed and Cambria. And no openers, just them. And uh, it was before uh, Good Apollo and Burning Star 4 Volume 1 from Fear Through the Eyes of Madness came out. So it was just like, it was like right before the album came out. So it was an awesome set. But between sets, they played Relationship Command. And I was nice. like, what is this? This is awesome. And uh, I got into uh, my friend's car and she had the CD. I was like, oh, shit, that, that's what it was. Oh, my God. And <laughs> <laughs> that's how backwards I am. <laughs> I love your story of discovering at the drive-in because it's like mine was I heard one arm scissor. I was going to buy their CD, but then I was a big fan of um, was it Marvelous 3? You know, I've never even heard Marvelous 3. I just know the name from, like, checking uh, record stores to see if they had three. Yeah, um, what's the guy? Butch Walker. I think that was his other band. Oh, yeah, that was Butch Walker. Okay, okay, yeah. I thought at the time they were my favorite band, so I needed to get their CD, and then I bought At The Drive-In, and I'm like, what the hell is this? Why is he screaming? These songs suck. <laughs> And I could not listen to it. I'm like, this is nothing like one arm scissor. But then one day I was at, uh, this is what, junior, senior year of high school. And I just remember being very angry for some reason. And that album was just like, it was loud. And it was raucous. Like, wait a minute. I get it now. I'm frustrated about stuff. <laughs> I have angst. <laughs> and then I, I was a big fan of them. So I was going to go look for more of their stuff. So I was at a Borders. And this is maybe 
a year two later, I was I had already graduated and I was uh, working. I was in college at the time, and I was in the borders and I was asking like this girl, I was like, "Oh, hey, um, do you have any stuff from at the drive-in?" She's like, "Yeah, we have them over here." So as she's kind of walking me over, she's like, "Oh, if you like at the drive-in, you really love the Mars Volto, because you know at the drive-in had already broken up, and you know, it's like, oh, this is uh, what's the name's new band? It's like, oh, check it out. It's like, cool, thanks. And I guess we started talking about music." And, you know, I kind of thought we just had a thing. Like, we were just talking music like you and I are right now. But I think she thought I was hitting on her. <laughs> so then after, like, I picked up a CD, she's like, um, and I'm like, oh, check out that band. She's like, yeah, my boyfriend is really into them. And I'm like, oh, okay. Very nice, smooth way of slipping that in there. <laughs> yeah, and I just was, I remember being mad as hell, not even for the fact that it got shot down, but I'm like, I wasn't even hitting on you. We were just talking music. <laughs> Music is just so flirtatious, man. <laughs> and then I ended up, I think, downloading a few tracks off of LimeWire because that's what you did in the mid 2000s. Yeah. Hoping that you wouldn't get a virus. <laughs> and I was listening to them on a train ride, I was listening to D Louse, and I was just so chill and vibing out. I missed my stop. Oh, man. I ended up in like Secaucus and I was like stuck there for like another hour. So I'm like, oh, I guess I got all this music to listen to now. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, like, I, I was, since I was so late with At The Drive-In, like, I had heard about the Mars Volta first. Well, you know, maybe I'd seen the name At The Drive-In, but I had friends who listened to the Mars Volta, and they were like, oh, you, you got it. If you love Coheed, you will love this. And uh, see, my mistake was uh, not listening to DeLoust first, because that that's actually, like, a, a good segue between it really is. At The Drive-In and the Mars Volta. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's my mistake. Uh, the first album that I really got exposed to was Francis the Mute, which is... And that's a tough one to get into. Oh. If you're, like, a first-time fan, yeah, that's tough. That's where Pot changed my view on them. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I, I would listen to the album, and I was like, I don't get it. And then, uh, 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 again, sitting with my friends, got high, listened to it, and I was like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> Now it makes sense. Okay. Because, you know, there's all that ambiance and stuff. And, like, now I, like, I love that shit. I feel weird. I can't, like, skip around. I have to hear it with all of that weird, like, whale noisy shit. I grew up not really listening to, like, a lot of progressive rock. And there were bands that I listened to that were progressive rock that I didn't even realize, like, yes. (laughs) So it wasn't until, you know, I got into grade school and became a big fan of Rush and and at the time though like rush just kind of made sense to me like it was just even like the more proggy stuff was very easy to get into and it was like that nice buffer of getting into coheed but yeah i really didn't listen to like a lot of that really heavy like progressive rock where you know there's you know 12 movements and a whole <laughs> song could be a half hour long kind of thing but then listening to Mars Volta, I really bad, like was really one of like the first, you know, next to Coheed, one of the first real big forays into progressive rock. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. It just sort of made sense to me. And I think it was, well, not so much pop, but as it was alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> I loved Mars Volta and I was glad that they got back together. Then they broke up again. <laughs> uh- Oh, man. So so this at the drive-in reunion, are you doing that? Is that even still happening? Because that's my turn around. They keep fighting. Well, they, they're they doing a tour right now, but it's not a full reunion because, uh, what's his name, Jim, uh, the guy who did Sparta, he's not doing it. 
So what's the point? I, I I don't know. I guess just for Cedric and Omar to be like, hey, we're going to play at the drive-in music. Isn't that just more like the Mars Volta just doing yeah, covers? Yeah, it's, it's the Mars Volta covering at the drive-in. So like, yeah, like and the New York City date sold out super quick and I was so upset. And uh, like I then I was looking around on Facebook and everybody was upset. Like, I don't know anybody who actually legitimately got a ticket because I think like a lot of people scalped them. Yeah, I think that's what happened. And the reunion shows are tough like that. Everybody pounces on them and they all end up on the secondary market. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But then I felt better when I heard that it wasn't actually like a straight up reunion. So I keep telling myself that it's okay. Yeah, because I mean, look at it this way. I'm not paying top dollar for like half a band doing essentially covers. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's like cool, like guest musicians, like, I don't know, like, you know, Dustin from like Thrice shows up and I don't know, does like Mannequin Republic or something cool like that. But I doubt it. Yeah, uh, fuck, Thais is going to be on their own tour at that time. Oh, that's right, because they just had the new album out, which I hadn't really listened to a lot of. And the first couple of tracks, I'm like, eh. I mean, it's like uh, Vizu when that one came out. That wasn't an automatic hooker. Hooker. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think I just found a name on a new episode, Automatic Hooker. Right, but no, it, it wasn't. And and actually, you know what? I don't think any Thrice album has really been like an instant hook, aside from like uh, the artist in the ambulance. That is true, because even now, I still go back and forth about whether or not I like the Alchemy Index. I do like it. I just have trouble lis- like deciding that I'm going to listen to it. He, that is true. Like you know what? It's a good, and this is not a slight at the band, but it's really good if you are putting it in a playlist. Like if you're doing like a big mix of a bunch of bands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and slip in a little alchemy index it's really good but it's not that enjoyable to listen to like on its own it just isn't yeah i don't know i don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh man i'm sorry we just already started super geeking out about music but i guess we should probably tell your story a little bit <laughs> hey so at the drive in no. <laughs> okay let's see let's set the stage here it is 2012 i want to say maybe even 2013 Like, I had been on Twitter since about, I want to say, fall of 2011, and I didn't really do a whole lot of tweeting or interacting. I was mainly just live tweeting, like, Criminal Minds reruns. Oh, man. (laughs) Awesome. But it really wasn't until, I would say, when I found the Coheed community, and there was, like, a lot of cool people there. Roughly around the time, I want to say, was it, it was right before, I think, Afterman came out. So maybe like that summer that, you know, I started meeting a lot of cool people there. And that's actually how I found out about you. I don't even remember how I got introduced to NicheCast. Yeah, I don't know. I think it just kind of happened. <laughs> yeah, because that was at the time. I think it was roughly around the time Afterman came out because there was a lot of people who were just retweeting stuff, you know, when it's, um, like Domino the Destitute had dropped and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I guess we just randomly followed and it was just really cool that I was like, oh, hey, here's this person who has a, a show and she's awesome. And, and it's sad. Like, I don't know how we met. <laughs> Uh, at least we met you had well as we discovered well now it's no longer a podcast as it's now a live show but you started a podcast called the niche cast which 
you know, because I don't even really know the whole story. So how was it that you actually started the niche cast? Well, you know, there was this um, uh, website, uh, Turntable FM, and uh, it, it was pretty damn cool. I don't, had you ever heard about Turntable? Very briefly. Like, it was a sh- thing for a short while, but then all of a sudden it just disappeared. Like, I was really into it for, like, I would say a couple of weeks, and then I kind of just never went back to it. Yeah, I think that was a, a major problem that the website had. Like, it retained regulars, but had trouble drawing in new people. And uh, unless you found yourself in a community, it was easy to, you know, as like with you, you're there for a few weeks and then you forget. Um, right. That site started in like 2011. Some dudes in Connecticut and I kind of created this community that we affectionately refer to as PPRAE. Uh, it, it just is pop punk rock alternative emo. Nice. Uh, we decided to, you know, just name a room based on, uh, you know, just uh, a wide variety of genres because that's how we met, you know, like I think uh, I had my own room, which was for a website that I was doing called A Thousand Torches. And these dudes just randomly came in because, you know, uh, you could see in the room list, like, what song is being played. Right. I I can't remember if it was, like, Coheed or Three or something like that. And they came in and they were like, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Yeah. Great. And then we just (laughs) found out that we (laughs) we just like a lot of the same music. And um, we just uh, created this community that was pretty long lasting. Yeah, that uh, was there until the moment that the website died. Either way, like I was on there every day talking to people, uh, listening to music, uh, learning about music that I stopped listening to years ago because I'm a pretentious prick. No, you know. (laughs) (laughs) See, so am I. And I think that's why we get along so well. (laughs) But, you know, like there's a certain point in time, generally, when you stop listening to pop punk. I was definitely no longer listening to pop punk. I had no idea what was going on, like the bands that were around anymore. Because, I mean, it's. I'm sure that if I was still 15, I would enjoy the pop punk of today. But, you know, I just, I wasn't exposed to anything, but being in this room. Okay, so the way it worked was like, um, you know, it's basically a, a like a chat room, like kind of AOL style. But at the same time, there's like a stage and there's five seats. You know, you, you click on a seat. And uh, if you get one, you get one. If you don't, you don't. And it uh, like rotates like there's a little spotlight. And if the spotlight's on you, your song plays. And then, you know, it goes on to the next person and the next person. So through that, you know, it's like just listening to music with people and, uh, you know, the ability to type (laughs) along. It's a chat and music. I mean, like through that, I met a lot of great people and shit, we would talk about all sorts of stuff and a bunch of people like I noticed this was happening. Like a lot of people were like, I want to do a podcast. And I'm like, dude, you totally can. Look, I'm going to see if I can and show you that you totally can. (laughs) And I just sat there. I just sat there with my uh, my MacBook, no microphone, you know, just like the built in. Right. And (laughs) I. I did a thing and like it, it's the way it starts out. It was like I tried my hand at doing a thing or something like that. That was like my description for it. And I started out with like, hi, welcome to my first podcast. I'm like so awkward. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, I, don't, I guess that they liked it. And, you know, the whole point of me doing that was to show people that they could do it. Right. And then I guess they liked it. <laughs> and asked me to do more. And then you continued to do it. Yeah. It's like you ended up being really good at it. <laughs> Thank you. But, you know, I've kind of realized all, a lot of good ideas start that way. I mean, granted, this show in its early stages was basically me going to a friend like, hey, you want to do a podcast? It's like, about what? Um, You know how we normally just talk about, you know, comics and stuff? Oh, you know, every time we hang out, it's like, yeah. Yeah, just that, you know, with microphones in front of us. Like, okay. 
<laughs> and next you know, I ended up spending way too much money on microphones that we only use for like three months until I got other ones. And, you know, it's just it's funny how things just sort of just roll together without any sort of major declaration. You just do it one day for shits and giggles. And next thing you know, it's like, oh, fuck, this is a thing. People are listening yeah. to this. Oh, I'm a podcaster now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah, I don't know. I, I miss doing it like podcast style because like the way that I do it now, it's a whole different animal. Yeah, like I was just posting up like free episodes on Potomatic and then I ran out of space. I signed up for a Potomatic account in like shit. I want to say it was like 2006. Oh, wow. There was a band called Counterfeit Disaster and uh, they were doing a thing like once every I, I think they wanted to do it once a month, but they ended up doing like four episodes in like three years I thought it was great because, um, you know, they, they were lucky because they uh, had a access to a recording studio. So they just all sat around chatting and they each played a song. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Right. And, you know, like I, I signed up for the account just so that I could like follow their podcast and kind of fell off after that when they fell off. And then, yeah, then all these years later when I'm like, oh, let's see if I can do this. I'm like, oh, yeah, I still have this account. Let me just upload it there. I think I only had space for three episodes, and they were like 45 minutes each. Then that's when uh, uh, Pip and Radio Xenu came in, and Pip was like, hey, why don't you just come over to our station? Yeah, so... (laughs) (laughs) The rest is history. Yeah. (laughs) Which, shout out to Pip, by the way. Pip is awesome. And, well, Radio Xenu in general, because I know my girlfriend, Eileen, who you guys may have heard on some other episodes... She kind of, that's how actually I met her was through, you know, that same community. And it's funny, one of the first times they hang out, like, she's already rocking, like, the Radio Zenu shirt. So I'm like, this is cool. Like, we're already, <laughs> and it's it's always kind of funny because we kind of met already having, like, some mutual online friends. And it was just, it made it so much easier when we started dating because then it's like, oh, God, we don't have to meet, like, all these new people that we may not like. <laughs> it already had like this built-in group of friends that was pretty sweet that is dope <laughs> so yeah like that's i meant to ask you about that as far as like that transition from having a pre-recorded podcast and then to do like a live show and i i know you said there were some challenges but i mean it, it seems like you're doing pretty well with it considering thank you yeah you know i mean it like uh, when, when i it took me like a year and a half or so before i started actually doing it live i was still pre-recorded so i would sit here and like do, uh, you know, pre-record it the same way that I would, except now I could play Pink Floyd and <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. Because the, the thing about the station is, like, we pay royalty fees, or, you know, the station does, so I'm good. I can play whatever I want. And one thing that I especially love is since we do that, then, you know, when I play um, Joey Eppard, um, the the statistics get sent to where they need to go so that he can, you know, get the, the credit for having been played on an internet radio station. Oh, you know what I mean? Cool. I didn't realize that's how it worked. That's really awesome. Yeah. You know, like as long as you're, um, as an artist, like signed up with um, like ASCAP or something like that, you know, one of the uh, music registration places. Right. Yeah. It's just like FM radio, except I think they get a, a more royalties from FM radio and like they treat us like the ugly stepkid. Or what did they call it? The redheaded step kid. That's what, <laughs> that's what internet radio is. Yeah, it's sad. After all this time, people have seen that the internet isn't like this fad anymore. And it's surprising that things like 
radio, like internet radio or podcasting is still seen like this lesser form of entertainment. And it's sad that after all these years, they're still struggling to see it as a viable form. And terrestrial radio just seems to kind of have mm-hmm. things in a chokehold. And I'm, I, I love how I'm turning into like the screw FM radio thing, but it's, it's kind of true. It is true because like, I mean, one of my favorite things when I take road trips is to just like scan through the radio stations and see what it's like in different places. And uh, just for the most part, it really is just, you know, they have their, their, let's say 40 songs in their playlist and um, that's all they play over and over. And on top of that, like the, the, the DJ parts in between where, you know, you have somebody talking, right? those also are pre-recorded. No way. Yeah, a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of stations are like that. So like, you know, they're little bits where they're like, oh, la, la, la. That's already been recorded. They're not just sitting there live, you know, like playing songs and talking about them. And uh, that sucks. <laughs> it really does. And I, I don't know if it's maybe like this fear that, you know, someone may say or do something that's a little because, you know, let's be honest, like there are some songs that probably would not get played on regular radio and not even just for content sake. But it's just that they don't really have a place on traditional radio. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess that's maybe one of those situations. But yet I, I feel like that really should be changing. Well, you know, that's one reason why I, I really uh, like took a liking to this whole format because, you know, I, I was working with bands before and I did overlap for a while, but now I'm just strictly doing this. You know, I was like doing all sorts of odd jobs for um, artists like uh, social media and uh, PR and all sorts of shit with three when they released their album, The End Is Begun in 2007. Amazing album. Oh, so amazing. I, I was I was uh, I ran their street team. They were on Metal Blade Records, so, you know, they had the distribution to be, like, sent to radio stations. And I swear, like, I called the radio lady every day, and I'm like, okay, so can you send me a list of the stations that you sent the song to? Yeah, their big single, which was uh, All That Remains. And, like, they could not get a list of stations that they sent the single to. So, you know, I I just did what I could, and I had everybody um, on the street team just try and and call their stations all the time, um, whether it be college radio or, um, you know, their local rock station. Right, because that's actually how I found out about 3 was from my college radio station. Well, that and the Metal Blade Sample. Was it SOU? It was SOU, yep, because they used to play The End Has Begun a lot, the title track. I went with them to uh, SOU for a session at some point, actually. Yeah, that's always been a a really um, supportive station with 3. Yeah, which I guess I should probably specify for people who aren't from this tri-state area. Uh, WSOU is Seton Hall's college radio station, and they play, like, a lot of really cool, like, metal and, like, local underground stuff. And that's actually how I found out about a lot of bands, especially from the area. But yeah, you're right. They're very supportive of three because that song got played a lot, almost to the point where I thought I hated it. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it got good again because then I picked up that sampler and um, what was the one song? My Divider Falling was on it. Oh, shit. That song. Oh, my God. Uh, and the intro, like that guitar. I was like, what the hell is this? And I was spazzing out. And then I'm like, wait, is this the same band that did? And then the pick slide. Yeah. <laughs> Is this the same band that did that song that's always on WSOU? It's like, oh, wait, damn it, I like them now. (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome, dude. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because, like, all right. So, yeah, SOU was awesome, but, like, nowhere else was as receptive. I I think uh, maybe at some point years ago, a student there um, was really into three, and then they just were kind of legacied in to um, 
you know, always stopping by SOU when they had a new album. Right. And I was trying to get all the street team kids to, to call uh, the sta- their local stations and request and request and request. And I, shit, there, there was even like a, a little uh, uh, 100 by 100 pixel icon thingamajigger that um, I asked one of the street teamers to make. And, uh, you know, like we posted it on our MySpace pages and, you know, just tried every <laughs> way that we could to. And, and, and the image said request. Three, all that remains on your local radio station. And by the way, it was like a gif 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 gif. And <laughs> <laughs> I love how you said both, and that is perfect because it's like, look, you know, someone's gonna fight you on how it's pronounced. I'm like, fuck you, I'm gonna pronounce it both ways. So you know what? You've officially ended the argument before it started. Like, I freaking love exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> I argue with myself about it. So. <laughs> Let's just say both. Oh man, but yeah, like. Uh, this was like a, a straight up campaign and we failed hardcore. <laughs> oh, I was not like, expecting you to say those next words. <laughs> dude, seriously. Like, okay. I, I even had all these numbers programmed in my cell phone and I know you're not supposed to talk while you're driving, but this wasn't so much of a thing. <laughs> oh, because I'm going to retroactively report you to the police. I <laughs> <laughs> was like, hi, do you guys listen to Niche Cast? Well, the, the, the lady who hosted it, uh, she was driving while texting, like, uh, maybe half a decade ago. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was a long time ago. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wow. More than, oh, my God. It was 2007, which was a very long time ago. I know. I figured as such when you said MySpace, because I'm like, yep, that was it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. 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 Yes. <laughs> But yeah, like in my phone, I had all these numbers programmed and I would just sit because I, I used to drive to and from Kingston frequently. Right. And uh, so on that hour drive, I would just, uh, you know, try through the different uh, radio stations and call and, you know, they, they send you on the runaround if they even pick up. And a lot of the times, you know, like we have two stations in, in the area who do know about three and, you know, like uh, some of the, the, the DJs used to go to three shows when they were kids, but... You know, it just, it doesn't fit into their, um, it's not on their list of songs that they can play. Right, which and, is a shame, but, you know, that makes sense. Uh, it's, it's, but they're a local band, and, you know, they, the station, they talk about the local bands, and this and that and the other, and they have had, like, uh, Joey come on and do interviews, they've had Josh come on and do interviews, but they will not play them. The thing that really, like, really upset me was, uh, so I, I called the, um, the, the active rock station, and... They were like, oh, well, you know, yeah, we totally know who three is, but you should call the sister station, which is actually an oldie station or not oldie. I'm sorry. Uh, classic rock station. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't think that'll work. <laughs> but I called the classic rock station and they're like, yeah, you, you got to call the other station. So I just got sent run around, run around. And, and you know, like they they know who the bands are. They know these guys personally, but they would not play the music. And good reason why I continue to do this. Because I can play whatever the fuck I want. And what's cool about your format is that, you know, like I said, I'm just now getting into, like, the live stuff. But, you know, the podcast was, it was a lot of old, it was a lot of new. And there were a lot of bands that I was, A, really just surprised that someone else was into. But then there was, like, a lot of new shit that I heard from the niche cast. And it's kind of going back to the thing about Terrestrial Radio is that... It's strange how, you know, it's always supposed to be about the music, but yet they never would really bring up any new guys. And it's like, well, how would you find out about this stuff? And it's like the friggin' internet. And I'm not going to lie, a lot of those bands I discovered thanks to, you know, LimeWire or Napster. But hey, you know what? Mm-hmm. At that point, then I'm like, you know what? These guys are good. Let me start buying their music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, I mean, like, because at this point now, how do we discover music? If I mean, well, now we can like put on Spotify and it does the discover thing. But like before that, shit, I, everybody's in their own little world. So how do our worlds interconnect? How do I like hear what somebody else is really hot on? Unless they're like, oh my god, dude, you gotta listen to it. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you know. <laughs> But yeah, that's what I, I like about the thing, too, is that, yeah, so I, I can take um, requests so, you know, everybody can be represented because there's no in hell that any one person is going to like every single song that I play. Right. And that's totally cool because that would be weird if you liked every single song that I played. At the risk of gushing, it was so cool seeing, like, you know, the Koei band photos and, like, the one picture Josh is drumming. And I'm like, wait a minute, I recognize that shirt. I'm wearing that shirt. <laughs> it's like, that is so badass. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, he uh, wore it in Kansas because I, I went out to Kansas and uh, happened to go see a Kobe show while I was there. And uh, so, like, uh, we had trouble uh, with me getting him the shirt because uh, I think I was supposed to give it to him at the uh, Asbury Park show. That's right, because we almost missed you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. We, we totally just managed to run into each other. I think that's what it was. Well, you know what, though? That was Eileen because we thought you maybe had gone across the street to, um, what was it? Um, oh, the after party, right? Then Eileen kept pointing down like the one side road. And I was like, why don't we go down? There's a bunch of kids standing there. And I'm like, those could be anybody. Like, I'm not walking up on a bunch of group of kids and they, so they jump me. And we almost <laughs> got to an argument about it. She's like, let's just go down. I was like, all right, fine. So we go down there and sure enough, here you are <laughs> in the middle of this crowd. I'm like, that's definitely niche. <laughs> Like, here are shirts. <laughs> and that's right. And then the dude that gave us the, um, what were they, like the M&Ms? Oh, who was that? Was that? Um, oh, shit. Yeah, I don't know if you talked to that guy or whoever that was, but I never, like, I don't think I actually thanked him because I was too busy kind of yucking it up. But it was really cool. They made, like, the custom M&Ms that had, like, the, like, Coed and Cambria and, like, you know, the Color Before the Sun and had some of, the, like, the logos on it and stuff. Yeah, that was super cute. I think I still have them somewhere. I hope they didn't melt. <laughs> we found a few. They're all crushed up, but I was like, I almost don't want to eat the ones that are still intact. Yeah. Either that or I'll crush the rest of them and put them over ice cream or something. Completely random question, though. Did you end up going to the after party? Because I was looking for people, but I couldn't find anyone. I did eventually, but I, I went pretty late. It, it went on for a long time. It really did. I think we were there for quite a while, but it was a great show and i almost feel bad in saying that i think i enjoyed the after party even more than i did the show itself <laughs> well the show was tough because it was so packed there were so many people and like all different kinds of people oh don't even get me started and i feel bad for anyone who's listening who is from south jersey or the philly area i fucking hate going to shows in south jersey <laughs> and i'm gonna explain I'm used to being in a New York area, Northern Jersey area. You know, people can be, you know, pretty boisterous or whatever. But there's never been a situation where I've gone to, like, you know, Asbury Park or even, like, let's say Camden for a show and not almost end up fighting somebody. There were a few people, I don't know if they were maybe Glass Draw fans, but they were just really hyper-aggressive. Coheed started, and, like, well, I think, well, they first kicked in, like, to Island. I know it was one of the new tracks. Like, how are you moshing to Island? <laughs> And not just, I'm not talking dancing, jumping around kind of thing. No, they were punching, kicking, like windmill kicking kind of shit. I'm like, how are you moshing to this song? Like he's singing about his place in New York and gets, his apartment's cramped. How are you, you know? <laughs> it's it's so not like a high energy. Well, I'm actually, it is catchy, but that's only once you've heard it at least once. Yeah. 
but it was not a song that I would want to fight somebody to. I think that was the first time they ever played it. Yeah, and I was super excited to hear it, but yet I had to occasionally stop because somebody was punching me and my girlfriend. It was nuts. That's ridiculous. Oh my goodness. I just walked around during their set, honestly, and just stood in different parts of the place. So big. It was surprisingly big, and I, that's actually the first time I've heard um, Kohibi play like, outdoors. And I realized how much I missed Starland Ballroom that night. Because mm. I feel like no matter where they played, I'll always enjoy listening to them at, like, Starland. I don't know. I just really appreciate that venue, even though it is in, like, the freaking middle of nowhere. I have trouble with Starland now, I'm realizing. Really? I was very fond of it in the mid-2000s. <laughs> but I don't know, man. Like, I've gone to a few shows there recently this year, and I ju- I'm just too short. Oh, that's right, because they did the remodeling after Sandy. Is that what it is? Because I don't remember ever really having this much of a problem. I've only been there once. I think it was for a Coheed show, roughly around... It was, like, in between cycles. It was kind of like one of those weird one-off short tours. But I think Starland got trashed during Hurricane Sandy, and then they remodeled it. And I went there, and you're right, there's a lot more... I don't know, like, a lot more platforms? Like, it's weird. Like, it's not just, you know, your floor, then the stage. Like, it raises at certain parts that you wouldn't normally expect there to be. And then I remember I went to the bar to grab a drink, and I went to go, like, walk out into the floor, and, like, security almost clotheslined me, and he's like, you can't leave here. It's like, what? It's like, you got to drink it here, and then go back. And I'm like, oh. Mm. Automatically, I'm like, the one time I want to drink in between songs where no one's, you know, kicking beer out of my hands, and, like, and you're going to stop me? Yeah, I think, like, half the time they, uh, uh, like, restrict you to the drinking area, and then half the time they don't. Because, like, I, I think the last time I was there was for the used, and I was able to walk all around. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Is it because it's like, I don't know, like an all ages show? Is that when they make the distinction or? They're all all ages shows. Oh, so that's weird. Because then it's like there's some shows where I don't remember having to do that. I don't know. I guess it's probably just like the amount of kids that they have. If there's more kids, then you're stuck in the drinking area. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, the last time I was there, like, I mean, I enjoyed it for like the sound quality and everything. But yeah. It just something felt different, and I know that's probably out of their control because, you know, obviously they had to repair it, but I don't know, something just felt different. Something felt weird. Either way, yeah, it's not my favorite place anymore. I don't even know what my favorite place is. I, I just, I, I'm kind of drawn to the little shithole North Jersey venues. I miss Maxwell's in Hoboken. I, I think it's back open. It is back open, but I haven't been back since, you know, the reopening. From about, like, let's say 2012, 2013, like, I lived at that place. Oh, shit. Like, religiously. Like, and a lot of cool bands, because what I liked about that place is it is a hole in the wall, but there's no real, like, backstage area except for, like, a little basement, I guess, for some equipment. Mm -hmm. So it kind of forced bands to interact because there was no place for them to hang out, so they had really no choice but to, you know, stay on the floor. (laughs) Oh, man, I miss getting German food at Helmer's getting like full of like Hefeweizen and then stumbling back over to Maxwell's first show and then continually like to drink PBR for the rest of the night, then stumbling to the pizza place down the road. A lot of stumbling in Hoboken as I realized. <laughs> oh man, now I'm thinking about how like that place really got busy. The first time I can really remember going there was um, like 2006, 2007 and it was a piece of cake to find parking. Yeah. Now it's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> There was nothing better than, like, waiting for a show and then wondering why the band hadn't gone on. Then you check their Twitter feed, and the first thing they mentioned is, hey, we're still trying to find parking. You're like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
my god. <laughs> oh man, but before I get into any more concert mishaps though, we were gonna discuss the fact that you are kind of doing something pretty awesome for Radio Xenu. Yes, yes. Every year on Radio Xenu, we have countdowns at the end of the year and uh, in the middle of the year. In the middle of the year, we call it the uh, Radio Xenu Top 20 Mid-Year Countdown. And uh, I'm hosting it this year. (laughs) Now, the Top 20, is that combining with the Top 20 of just what gets played on Radio Xenu? You know, is it a certain playlist or what exactly constitutes like the Top 20? It's listener voted. So any song that we play on Radio Xenu, which is actually like... There's thousands of songs that we play from like The Cure all the way to uh, The Neighborhood and uh, shit. I don't know. It's, it's a wide variety of stuff from like any year. And that's what I love. The fact that you can vote for a song from 1988 and have, you know, like vote for that to be in the 2016 countdown. You know what I mean? Right. So that's what it is. It's, it's Radio Z News playlist. In July, two days before the actual countdown, I'm going to sit there and, and uh, tally up everybody's votes and uh, calculate the countdown. That's cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Growing up, like I had these delusions that I wanted to be like a radio DJ because it just seemed like the coolest friggin' job. Like you yeah. get to sit around and talk about music all day and it just seemed like the life. But then no one told me that, oh, yeah, you want to be a radio DJ? Yeah, you got to go to school for broadcasting. I'm like, well, fuck that noise. <laughs> And not only that, but it's a dying field. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> That's why they do a lot of like the the pre recorded uh, radio bits now because they just don't get you know they don't have the money to pay somebody to be there that long. You're right. Is there really any well known radio DJs anymore? And I'm not trying to like shit on anybody who still does it. I think there's just like shock jocks. That's about it. Damn, that's kind of depressing. Well, then again, I, I don't know. Maybe there are some like really great personalities who are about music, but I, I don't know them. <laughs> yeah, the ones I knew of, they were all like Canadian. So like I felt like it didn't really count because, well, I mean, they're Canadians. They're, they're kind of awesome like that. <laughs> but it was hard to find somebody, you know, like American. Because I remember I pretty much grew up listening to a lot of, you know, Z100 back when they used to still play like Nirvana and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Well, now they play Fallout Boy. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what it is? It's like it's not even like good Fallout Boy. <laughs> it's the it's the hits. <laughs> Which is funny because I'll never forget how angry I was come two thousand five. You know, from under the cork tree came out and you know dance dance and that whole thing. And you know, people who I felt because again I'm a pretentious dick. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did that thing where when they got popular and kids were you know wanting to do dance routines that are prompt to dance dance. So, <laughs> you know. Two years ago, Grand Theft um, Auto, you know, where's your boy kind of thing. You guys never would have rocked this shit. But then next thing you know, it was playing on the radio the other day, and I was mad that the static kept coming in, and I couldn't hear it. I'm like, man, age really does change things. It does. It does. It gives you perspective. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong, that album's still kind of weak, but hey. (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, nothing touches the, um, oh, shit, what the hell is it called? It's blue. (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> Take this to your grave. There you go. That was probably peak Fallout Boy. And I even felt even worse than that. Like, what was the one album, uh, Fallout Boy, like an evening out with your girlfriend or something like that? Oh. It was, I think it was the one before Take This to Your Grave. I can't remember. Was it? Ah, shit. See, now I'm getting old and can't remember shit. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that, like, let's see, there was Saturday that was growing up. Um, shit. 
And like, how did I forget that? That was my entire senior year. <laughs> I mean, not that I'm not angsty one. now, but I was, you know, slightly, you know, more angsty then. <laughs> Sing along age. Oh shit! Yeah. What the fuck was it? Um. Oh great! I'm actually have you sing Fallout Boy on my own podcast. Oh, <laughs> uh, what the hell was the name of the song? This is gonna kill me. See, I can't even hit Patrick Stump notes anymore. That's how old I'm getting. Oh shit! I don't think I ever could. <laughs> <laughs> she have a Fallout Boy sing off like. See, at one point, every time I keep trying to remember the song, all I keep thinking is like, "Where is your oh, boy?" boy. I was like, that's not the same song. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All I have in my head now is uh, this is side one. Wait, no, I'm saying it wrong now. Uh, I'm like singing that to a different song. Oh, uh, what was that song? Oh, shit, I know which one. Um, Dead on Arrival. Yes. Oh my goodness. Which we used to rock the shit out of in rock band. Like that song is so much fun to play. Oh, but then man. as somebody who used to spend a lot of the work they sing that song, it's another thing to actually sing the legit lyrics. I'm like, wow, this is harder to sing than I thought. <laughs> Like, damn, Patrick Stunt's got some, like, vocal chops here, man. It's yeah, like, he does. Oh, shit. And then, you know, he went the pop route, and then it failed miserably, and then he supposedly quit music. Then he came back to Fall Out Boy, and, like, what was that video, the one, like, Light em Up, where they were, like, setting fire to all, like, their old records? And I remember just being very angry and officially swearing off Fall Out Boy. And this isn't even me as, like, a high schooler. This was me, like, three years ago. Yeah, I, I got mad when I heard that on Z100. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> right? It's like, look at you. Now you guys are, like, singing to, like, the Munsters theme song? What, what the fuck? Like, what I'm happened? Oh, I think my station does play that song, though. <laughs> <laughs> And I think we play Saturday also. <laughs> oh, see, though, but Saturday is kind of cool. And even like the other song, like the chorus is awesome. But what I tell myself is it's not really Fallout Boy. I wonder if anybody else does this or is this like a bad thing? So, okay, think of a band you may know that as they went on, their music kind of like their sound really changed. Now, when you put them in, let's say, like a playlist, do you keep them as the same name or do you give them like a generic placeholder because you're too embarrassed to associate them? Oh, my goodness. You changed the name? I did that to follow up, boy, for like that later stuff. I, <laughs> I called it just FOB and I wouldn't okay. put it with the rest of the music. Awesome. <laughs> and like I realized I'm like nobody else does this. Like you are a garbage person. Well, you know what? I might have done that if um I still like listened to music on an iPod. So that way, you know, I could put Fall Out Boy and Shuffle and not have the shit songs mixed in. <laughs> See, I still have my iPod classic, which is not the original one I had from two thousand five, but I had to get it fixed because the other one broke. So mine I got it was 2010, because everything in my life revolves around Kuwait and Cambria, apparently. Um, <laughs> Year of the Black Rainbow had just come out, and I was just about to put the songs on my iPod. And I had to go to work. It was a really bad rainstorm. And I remember, like, oh, shit, my iPod is going to get wet. Let me wrap it in plastic and put it in my book bag. Um, apparently, weird luck would have it. The hold in the book bag, because I didn't put the zipper up all the way, it rained in the small gap and somehow leaked into a part of the plastic that was exposed, oh, no. killed the iPod. And oh, the first no. thing I thought was, oh, fuck, I'm not going to be able to listen to this on the way to work. I'm going to have to find a way to crank out my old CD player. <laughs> yeah. Which I think was at the time, like, peak first world problems for me. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, you mean I got to listen to this on a, on a, on a compact on disc? On a disc, man? <laughs> I was like, what the hell? 
<laughs> Shit, I wonder if I still have my Discman. I found mine headed to Long Island once, and I called myself playing it because it was a little bit after I ended up getting... Well, I didn't purchase it. Someone really awesome on Twitter, Um, what the heck is his handle? Uh, Jimmy Hendrance, Um, he ended up giving... Oh, I love him. He, isn't he awesome? But shout out to he and awesome. Cindy, by the way, because... Uh, they actually ended up, I guess two of them coordinated and gifted me the uh, Color Before the Sun box set. Like, like, completely out of nowhere. And I was just like, I cried that day. I'm not going to lie. By the way, me too. And yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, you guys are unfucking believable Because <laughs> I never would have thought to do that. I would have been like, hey, I'll burn you a copy of the I CD. I was like shaking all day. I was like, oh my God, I can't. Wow. Wow, this is so sweet, awesome, crazy, It really cool. was, and I, I felt shitty because I'm like, I didn't really do anything to deserve this. Like, I'm pretty sure I cursed what out- What did I do to deserve? Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice callback. You win that one. <laughs> so I was headed to New York, and then, like that was that thing of my iPod's dead. I want to listen to this CD. So I'm like, all right, I'll bring out the CD player, which I had not played since the time I played that one copied, uh CD. <laughs> And for whatever reason, it just was not coming in. Like, the audio was all screwed up. And I was just, again, mad. I'm like, and I realized it's not that the CD was bad. It's just that the audio quality was a lot different from what I was used to later on. Because mm. the MP3 is in. I'm like, oh, here we go again. First world garbage person. <laughs> oh, boy. But, yeah, like, I just really, speaking of, you know, Cindy and Jimmy and, like, some of the other people, like, and that's what I love about you and your show and some of the other people like i just really dig and you know there's we have our fair share of issues and you know sometimes things happen but for the most part i've never really found like a more really awesome group of people like on twitter at least not since i started the podcast and i'm sure there's i don't know if any of them may be listening and there's probably too many to list but you know thank you guys because you know through you and all of your music snobbery like i discovered a lot of shit that i would have probably missed otherwise wait what <laughs> That was beautiful, and I, like, lost it. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. I was like, okay, either she left the show early. She's like, all right, this guy's getting way too sentimental. Fuck this. Like, I'm I was, out. <laughs> I was like, I was here to talk about Radio C New and talk about, like, bands I may have fought with, and this guy's talking about community and friendship. I'm like, screw this. No, you're so right, though. That That's definitely uh, one of my favorite things. Through the years, like, that's my shit, man, the communities that form. And, uh, yeah, I like, like you know, I was saying before, my uh, my podcast formed from the, the PPRAE community and then fucking A, man. The Coheed community has been a thing for me for over a decade. Right. And I know we had discussed before and, you know, obviously we won't necessarily say all that here, but I, I see where you're coming from. And it's weird that well, it's not even that weird. I guess not anymore. But then you think about... And again, I'm getting really sentimental. It's just like just how awesome music can be because, I mean, because of music, I made a lot of really cool friends. I actually ended up meeting the love of my life. And it's just it's just weird. Like the shit that you listen to would annoy people. And the few times that you sing out loud ends up really just changing your life. I kind of feel that way about podcasting. It's just really cool how, like, the, the dumb nonsense that we listened to years ago that I never would have thought anyone really paid attention to. Now I'm meeting people like, oh, snap, I didn't realize that was also your favorite album. Like, oh, no shit. Mm -hmm. 
especially after spending years of people kind of like making fun of me for listening to the shit I listen to. Cause I'm like, really? What other black kid listens to the Mars Volta? And then it's like, oh shit, there's tons of black kids that listen to Mars Volta. Yeah, man. There was a black guy in the Mars Volta. Right? And that, that's what, that was my <laughs> thing. Like I used to get mad. It's like, oh, you're listening to rock. And I'm like, hey, look, first off, we invented the genre, right? Yeah. Shit, man. <laughs> like I didn't realize we weren't allowed to play it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah no it, it is wonderful to like find people with the uh, like interests because no matter how weird do you think something is that you like there's somebody else there <laughs> who is right there with you right and those are the people that like i meet at shows but then it's like for some reason after the show you never see him again until the next one yeah and I, I feel that. so bad, though, because there have been so many great concerts, but unfortunately, like, I'm probably the brokest I've ever been, and I keep missing all these great concerts, and I remember you asking me about Mars Volta, and I'm like, damn it, like, I wish I could be there, even if it wasn't what I wanted it to be, at least I can go and either really enjoy myself or complain miserably. I've actually got, like, a crazy fucking week ahead, because um, thrice they're coming through, so I'm going to that i bought tickets in like january and then there's the weird science elegy hometown release show damn and where's that what kingston right yeah in kingston on my nephew's 18th birthday actually so i'm the worst aunt in the world uh (laughs) 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 or you could be like look i got you the cds like i don't even listen to weird science thanks (laughs) he he likes well i don't know he's he's weird with music he likes what his friends like I don't know, whatever. Uh, he's a little shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, man. But yeah, like, I shit, I can't even take him if I wanted to. Well, it's his birthday anyway. His 18th, he's going to go and hang out with his friends. But yeah, then uh, Upgrade is playing in Brooklyn on, I think, next Monday. Now, I'm a solo adopter. It took me forever, like, you know, granted, I've been a Queen fan for a while, since at least 2003, and it's like, I didn't listen to Weird Science until, like, five years after that, and even then, like, I really didn't even get into them until, I would say, like, probably, like, the second or third Red Light Juliet, so I'm a little slow, so, like, even then, like, let's say, you know, Ida Mighty is really popular, thank you, scientists, and if it weren't for the after party, I probably, because we missed their set trying to get into the friggin' place. Oh, man. So, like, I'm now just kind of hearing a lot about Upgrade, and not that I don't get it, though, but, like, how long has he really been around? Because out of nowhere, like, he's really blown up on social networking. He's been around for a few years, but um, the thing is, uh, the reason why he's blown up is because he just did a string of dates with Weird Science. Oh, okay. So, you know, then uh, Coheed fans, more specifically, um, have uh, gotten really into Upgrade. And, um, well, you know, Coheed Josh fans, not necessarily. Okay, sorry, I'm I'm nitpicky. But do you have to kind of make that separation? Because at the risk of being snobbish again, there's a subtle difference. Because, I mean, there are people who like Coheed and Cambria, but then there's, like, weird science is kind of its own thing, even though there Mm -hmm. is a little bit of intersection, but not a whole lot. But there are people who genuinely like weird science, and then there's others who like weird science because it's the drummer of Coheed. Right. That's what I was trying to say. I think that's why it took me a while to get into Weird Science, because I think I was at that point where I hadn't yet made that distinction in my own self, because I was listening to it as someone who knew, you know, Josh Epper from Coheed and not really thinking that, you know, not that that isn't, you know, his thing, but he also has his other hip hop career and it's kind of its own separate beast, much like, you know, uh, Travis has, you know, Davenport Cabinet Mm -hmm. and like Fire Dudes and stuff like that. So, yeah, it took me a while to kind of really see it for what it is, like, as its own. 
beast. And once I did, and once I kind of like zoned into that, like it really kind of stood. I was like, oh, you know what? Shit. Like, why hadn't I been listening to this before? And I realized because you're kind of an asshole when it comes to your music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's 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 a tough sell. I I worked with uh, Weird Science for years, like booking, uh, PR, fucking just everything aside from playing music, and. It was just really hard to draw a crowd. It, it was also during the time when Josh was not in Coheed. Which is a very interesting time, which is kind of highly publicized. It is a little sensitive, but at the same time, that's something that is something that's really discussed a lot within both bands. Because, I mean, look at it this way. As close-knit as Coheed Cambrio is and was, when, you know, there was that separation and, you know, the, the lineup changes... It was something that maybe not spoken about openly for a while, but yet you kind of knew the whole story, at least musically, from both sides of the coin. And it was kind of rough. And, you know, it split a lot of people up, divided fans, and it was kind of rough. Because they're so fan-oriented, yeah, I think they maybe took it more personally than I think maybe in some other bands when, like, a member may drop off. I don't know if you would agree to that sentiment, but it was it was strange because you kind of see that played out very openly, but also privately at the exact same time. I was uh, doing the Weird Science MySpace page, and uh, this was like at the exact time that Josh left the band in the first place, and he got all this hate mail, and I'm so glad that he didn't know how to use the internet back then, because <laughs> it would have been so much, you know, like, just compound on the shit that he was already dealing with. But, you know, all these people, they would just write these awful things like, you know, uh, how because basically uh, some people were they, they felt betrayed. Right. They felt like, you know, he was doing this to them. Yeah, it was very interesting. Definitely a, a huge division with the fans that happened during that era. And it was really sad. If anybody should be really like affected and concerned with the issue, be the band members themselves mm -hmm. or, you know, their families, whoever's like those closely involved. I mean, from a fan perspective. It, you know, it sucked, but yet, I don't know, like, they really took it to heart, and, you know, there was a lot of things said, you know, about both camps, and it, it was really sad, and yet, I think over time, though, at least on my end, because, I mean, when it first happened, I was like, that's really unfortunate, but yet, life, it just happens. It also wasn't, like, it wasn't public why Josh left at first. It, it wasn't until, like, two years later. Because, you know, a lot of times in bands either break up or there's lineup changes you know you always kind of hear the same stories as to why it is but yet this wasn't that like it was a little bit different mm -hmm. and i guess people kind of made their own assumptions which is something you're like, we're always taught we're never supposed to do but we just do did. it anyway <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't until i started seeing them at the aftermath shows because while i had been a fan since 2003 i guess that summer i didn't go to a coheed show until i want to say 2008 because it was the fourth night of never render my brother-in-law and my sister actually got me tickets to night four and it was my first time seeing them live but by that time you know yeah, obviously chris that was penny. when chris penny was their drummer so for me, like, while I mean, I listened to the studio stuff when it came to the live performances, I was already accustomed to a certain thing. So and it's weird, like, even though it kind of made sense and it was really cool to see that Josh was back and things had, you know, they sort of buried the hatchet and moved on. And, you know, he was at a place where he could rejoin a group. It was great. But at the same time, like, hmm, this is going to really change the dynamic of how I'm used to hearing them live. 
Only to find out that it really didn't change that much, and I guess in a way, as time went on, especially with the new album, they've sort of gelled again in a way that I don't think they had in the shows I listened to prior. Mm. And I think having something of like a stable lineup and everybody sort of being in a much better place, and while fans may argue about whether or not the direction of the new album is something that they're into, I think it was necessary for everybody to kind of really sort of gel. It's it's a good step for them to continue to move forward into more of the like kind of sound or not even the sound, but just the the like I, I think it's like interpolitics, just the, the way that yeah gel the way that they gel now again. Well, I, I guess not again because uh, Zach is still uh, relatively new, not that new anymore at that msg show like the first few times i saw him live like he was already in like the minute he chose him like it just seemed like it was a good fit and i couldn't figure out why it was but he was like the way i put it is if they were like the ninja turtles like he was the donatello like he was like that glue that (laughs) held everybody together because there are all these like these three very distinct personalities damn that's an amazing analogy I am a massive dork, so this is how I did this. I always figured Claudio to be kind of like the Leonardo of the group. You know, he's the leader, but, you know, the leadership, unfortunately, comes with a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And Josh was definitely the Michelangelo, oh, especially yeah. hearing him, like, on Twitter, like, he's a riot. Like, he's definitely the one who would crack the most jokes. While he doesn't necessarily follow that same personality that he does, but, like, Travis is totally like the Raphael. You know, he, you know, he could be either very serious or really funny, but yet he has a you know, very distinct demeanor about him. Yes. What was the first show I saw him play with them? I think it was the Kingston. Yes, it was the Kingston show. I can't remember what year that was. It was with the Deer Hunter and Three. He just, especially when, like, they played Sentry, like, he just, you know, he could tell he's new only because he just joined a band, but yet he just sort of fit, and, like, his playing style was a little bit different, but he didn't feel out of place. But then mm-hmm. seeing him most recently at MSG... Like, you know, he's kind of, like, playing with the band. He's singing along. Like, he's kind of, like, just doing stuff to rile them up. And, like, he could be a total just goofball. And to tell you the truth, like, as awesome as it was that, you know, Josh came back, I really do feel that it wouldn't have been nearly as special if they didn't get somebody like Zach with them. Because I think he just makes them all better people in a weird way. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, just that energy it kind of takes you out of your shell. Right. Uh, uh, to continue the okay anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that was unintentional <laughs> that was brilliant we can never script that as well as we just oh that's perfect <laughs> it's so true though oh wait but this whole thing was about upgrade um Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. We got into this whole weird thing about coheed, but yeah, go back to upgrade I guess. <laughs> it's so hard to just say coheed in passing. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. I have the worst at that. Um yeah, so oh, so mind. That's okay. <laughs> Upgrade's been around for a few years and he released his album uh, Chemical Imbalance in 2014 independently. And then, you know, like Josh was a huge fan of uh, Upgrades and I'm not even sure how they met in the first place. I've been meaning to have him on my show and I'm, I want to ask that. Um he put out Chemical Imbalance and uh, I had heard the record a bunch, but it hadn't sank in. The next year, the album was re-released, but this time on Equal Vision Records because Josh was just like you know, pestering the EVR dudes um, to sign him. <laughs> they were, he's like, this guy is awesome. You got to do it. And uh, so it, it worked out. And he he's now on EVR and they re-released, repackaged and added a few tracks to Chemical Imbalance. 
And um, oh, nice. Yeah, it's dope, man. It's definitely dope. But you know, like I, I had seen him live a few times. I'd listened to the album a bunch. But you know, you know, sometimes you just listen and it, it doesn't sink in. Then when I saw him on the Weird Science tour or the tour with Weird Science, it was actually the Sadistic tour. Uh, they were both uh, opening. I don't know, like something happened where I started to actually hear what he was saying. And then I was like obsessed with the CD for a few weeks after that because I, I don't know, man, like he's actually really interesting, the the content that he raps about. And I don't know, man, like <laughs> I'm really going to have to give it a listen because I have this thing even now and not in the case of I hate it because it's popular, but sometimes it's hard to judge a musician or artist whatever when you're hearing so much about them because it's hard to kind of listen to them objectively when you've already heard a lot of the buzz yeah kind of like what happened with let's say um what's the other band that's kind of in that same crowd like i the mighty like yeah our group especially like on twitter they go nuts for them yeah and i'm like you know what what's the big deal you know what I don't know if I can really get into it, but then next thing you know, I was on Spotify one day and it came up on like this prog playlist and I was just like, oh shit, like these guys are legit. And now I felt even more upset that I ended up not making it to their show at MSG because I'm like, damn, I would have really enjoyed this. Mm. So yeah, some things just end up clicking at different times and you can't explain it, but sometimes it just needs to speak to you at a certain point. Yeah. I but yeah, now that you say that though, I really got to give them a uh, shot. Yeah, I think it was the song, um, uh, what's it called? New Age Love. It's, you know, it's, I don't know, I could just totally relate to it. Uh, <laughs> talking about, like, the, the modern relationship and how that comes about. That's really, I think, what makes certain music, like, listenable is the fact that it's something that you can relate to in your own life. And I'm like, damn, I really, really wish I had gotten on them at a different time. Yeah, like, I, I wish that um, I had seen I the Mighty earlier. Because I, I was listening to them before they got signed to EVR. In the in the early niche casts, I think, in, like, episode two or three, I either said that they were signed or played them uh, to EVR. I can't quite remember. But, you know, I, I was, like, <laughs> super genuinely excited for I the Mighty to be on Equal Vision Records because, uh, you know, they released a bunch of stuff before that uh, on Bandcamp for free back in 2010, um, 2009. And I thought they were really dope. And I, I stepped back a little bit once the hype train started speeding. Yeah, like I said, that's where it always kind of becomes tough because it's like, oh, damn, like these guys blew up and it's great. But yet I'm like, hmm, let's see where this goes. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, like, shit. I, I saw them uh, do their first New York headliner and that was at the at the studio in Webster Hall. And I kind of just hung out by myself and counted the Coheed shirts. <laughs> so, that's a fun game that I like to play. Because <laughs> most times I go to see them, like, okay, I'll put it this way. Like, I was living in Montclair, New Jersey for a while, like, northeastern Jersey, mm -hmm. for about maybe, like, a year and a half, something like that. And, you know, I'd walk down the street, and people would be like, oh, hey, Cody, you're awesome. Like, you going to their show? I'm like, yeah, I hope to be there. It's like, cool, maybe I might run into you. It's like, awesome. And it's like, man, Cody fans. Meanwhile, then I moved out to Long Island, and, and it's like, I run to somebody. It's like, oh, Cody and Cambria. It's like, they're still together? Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, how? Wait, what? <laughs> and I'm just like, like, haven't you heard? Then I'm like, oh, let me guess, because it's like around 2004, 2005, and like after that kind of dried up. I'm like, let me guess, you guys 
didn't realize they were still a thing, did you? And, you know, it's no fault of their own because some people may just not, you know, be listening to... They were casual listeners, probably. Yeah, and that's fine. But, yeah, it just cracks me up that, like, I moved to, like, a little bit over in this one direction. (laughs) And and I went to a place where everybody's a fan to now people are even shocked that they're still a thing. I shouldn't talk about uh, when I go out to Nyack. Wait, don't tell me like they're they're still not even sure of them, or are they like massive fans still? Uh, no, they are. Kawit is so yesterday. No, it's it's more like you know. A, oh yeah, I remember when they used to play here. It's <laughs> so sad. Yeah, you know, I it's it, it's very rare that I do find somebody who is a fan in Nyack. Um, everybody else is you know so over it. Or they just never were into it. Oh, you know what's a fun story? I'm kind of like specifically thinking about this one place. Uh, There's this bar called Olives. Um, I like to go there for shows and stuff. But one of the first times that I ever went there was a Coheed show in 2002. Turns out that it was actually the second stage Turbine Blade album release show. Holy shit! They haven't played there since because they're just way too big to play this, you know, place. (laughs) But... I brought one of the members back because uh, for the, the niche cast four year anniversary concert, I had it there and Weird Science played. So Josh actually like he talked about it. Uh, he wore his shirt from one of the like community center venues that uh, Shibuti and three used to play back in the day. Wow. And yeah, he talked about that. And he was like, yeah, you know, I haven't been on this stage in so many years. And then, you know, I'm telling everybody it was 2002. But that that's what it was. It was the last time that Coheed was able to play a place of that size. That's nuts. <laughs> oh, man. Because they just shot up after Second Stage came out. I didn't start going to shows until I started playing Terminal 5. And at that point, it was like, for someone who lived in Northeast New Jersey, upstate New York might as well not exist. Oh, man. <laughs> like, like, it's a whole other ecosystem <laughs> over there. <laughs> Oh, but I'm I'm totally on the border though. Like it, I get gas in Amawa. Well, that's not bad though. That's that's still pretty decent. I mean, it, that's pure Jersey though. But <laughs> that's why I prefer to go to Jersey shows way more than New York City shows. What was the other Jersey band I just signed? Equal Vision, um, Gatherers. Oh, really? I, I've seen their name, but I don't know anything about them. You know, it's melodic hardcore, but as far as the band itself, like I think they're really awesome, really intense. The new music direction, it's a little different. Like it's a little bit more accessible in regards of it's a little bit more melodic than their original vocalist, but they're pretty cool. Um, shit, what the hell is the name of the album? Between the Rock and the Sad Place was the the first album, and then A Quiet World. That's it. They're pretty awesome, and it's like, all right. And I, I still had that thing where seeing Jersey bands kind of blow up, and it's like, even like on Equal Vision, I'm like, shit, yeah, I know them. Or not personally, <laughs> but it's like, hey, they're from a place that I recognize, and I don't know. It's just New York shows are just, I don't know, they're not, I shouldn't say they're not as fun, no, but I feel like Jersey, even though they're still kind of rebuilding the music scene a little bit, it's still a much better vibe than going to, like, city shows. Yeah, I think so. There's, like, this one spot in Clifton that has bands a lot. Dingbats. It, it kind of sucks, but... It, it, yeah, it kind of <laughs> sucks. But for some reason, every time that I'm there, it's to see Icarus the Owl. And they're from Oregon. I don't know why, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, because I nine or ten times, if I get, like, a band invite from you, it's usually from, like, Dingbats. Like, oh, shit, Nisha's in Clifton. Like, I, like, work in that town. And I grew up in, like, the town over in Patterson. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell are you doing in my neck of the woods? <laughs> See, Nickers the Owl. <laughs> Which is not even a band. It's not, they're not even local to this area. <laughs> <laughs> um, the 
do have local openers, though. <laughs> that, that's one thing that I like about Dingbats. Dingbats has a tendency to play, like, a lot of weird local bands, but they also surprisingly, like, some pretty big acts have come through there, and I'm like, man, like, how did you guys even find out about fucking Clifton, New Jersey? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, Hail the Sun. Hail the Sun, they just got signed to EVR, and uh, they're about to put out their first album um, on EVR, but... Yeah, uh, one of the times that I went to see Icarus the Owl, Hail the Sun was headlining, and uh, it was the day that their album Wake was released. Um, it's like, they're from, where are they from? I think they're from California. They're from somewhere out west, but on their tour, the album release date was in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hey guys, come to our album release show. It's like, oh great, where is it? Portland? You know, like Texas? Like, no, it's in New Jersey. It's like... <laughs> Like, fuck you guys, all right? Jersey's awesome, all right? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. It's like, you know about Clifton. Like, the only thing Clifton is, like, known for is, like, hot grill. And I think that's about it. Well, I, I, one thing that I love is, like, all the parking is on the street. <laughs> like, you have to park in front of someone's house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're used to it. Are you kidding me? And it's funny. Like, they're just so... Because that whole strip by where Dingbats is, there used to be another bar, kind of like small venue across the street. Um, What the hell was it called? I can't remember, but like there was a you know a couple of local bands, not too big, but Dingbats is like the really like more popular one out of the two, and that's one of the few like northern Jersey areas that I know of that's like still gets like a lot of traffic. But yeah, there aren't a lot of low level venues like I shouldn't say low level like in terms of quality, but just in terms of size, you don't get too many of those in this area. Like they used to be all over the place, but then what happened in New York is two companies like snatched up everything. Mm, but like Live Nation and shit. Yeah, like and then like I think Bowery owns like the majority of the venue. Oh yeah, the Bowery presents or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, look, there's so many bands. Like I'm not fucking going to Williamsburg. Like <laughs> as a Northern New Jersey native, you know how hard it is to get to fucking Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I'd rather go to Nyack. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nyack is pretty awesome, man. We got some good shit. I had Rude Science and Upgrade and, and Joey Eppard and Friends and uh, First Mountain, who are actually from Montclair. Nice. The horn section of First Mountain that night was actually, thank you, scientists' horn section. Yeah, I can't remember the story, but I know, like, they actually have, like, some roots that are pretty local. And I'm sorry, I do that thing where I get super giddy when, like, bands mention places that I recognize. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but then it's like, they're never there when I'm there. Like, how come every time I'm trying to get, like, a connecting bus, you know, Thank You Scientist doesn't roll up and just automatically start playing music. I'm like, you know, thanks, jerks. <laughs> well, they were around for a long time. They're, they're another one who... um I was into because I'm such a hipster. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, though, in, in 2012, I'm not even sure how I came across them in the first place. But in 2012, they released maps of non-existent places independently. And uh, I was just like blown away by the album. There's fucking horns. And it's a track <laughs> band. It's so amazing. That's so amazing. And then, uh, like, I, I looked uh, at the, um, uh, li- not at the liner notes, but on the website, the personnel, and I saw, like, this dude that I knew was in the band. Oh, shit, actually, to connect everything further, um, one of the guys who was in that band that was on the podcast site that I was <laughs> signed up for, <laughs> he does percussion, I think, on one of the songs on the album. Oh, cool. Dave Bodie. And, uh, yeah, I was like, very cool. Thank you, scientist. And... Uh, they were on my uh, top albums of 2012. I even talked about how like it's so dumb that I haven't seen these guys because they're from Jersey. <laughs> well, if you stop hanging someday. out at Dingbats, you know you're always up on Chris Yell's jock. Oh no, you stop. 
<laughs> oh man. Let me stop. Then they ended up re-releasing the album in 2014 on Claudio's label and that's when everybody started um falling in love. I was going to say something much more vile. Um I, I was going to say when everybody started jerking them off. Oh, that's terrible. And you said it anyway. <laughs> She's like, I'm not going to say it, but I'm going to totally say it like right now. <laughs> because I mean th- that is how it, it's kind of felt for me. They're amazing though. So No, I- they're a great band. I have nothing, you know, I have no comment about that either way. I just, you know, it is funny because there are so many bands that are like that though that they'll go for years and just never really and not that they don't have a fan base necessarily, but they may go for years without really getting any like major notice. And all it really takes is a tour with Coheed. Well, that no, and or anybody like relatively famous, and they can completely just change their trajectory. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> but I, the mighty, and thank you, scientist. <laughs> Like, oh, I, I, shit, I'm doing the COVID thing again. <laughs> I did it. Well, see, no, that, there you go. See, all right. Anybody listening at home, and if you're hopefully not driving or working as you do this, let's, let's, we're going to have like a fun drinking game. Take a <laughs> shot every time one of us says Coheed. See how far you get into the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely not while driving. Just don't operate heavy machinery and uh, don't be like in care of like, I don't know, a child or something. Um, <laughs> and the views expressed by Niche and Adrian do not reflect those. <laughs> You're not responsible for any liver damage, cirrhosis, um, nausea, vomiting, or any other alcohol-related... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Netic- We're not responsible for your anal leakage. Oh, uh, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> wait, time out. Is that like a normal like a uh, side effect of heavy drinking? Because thankfully, I have not had that happen. I haven't had that happen either. Okay, all right. It wow. just seems like one of those side effects that. Like, oh you man. Know- <laughs> on, on that <laughs> in like for for like prescription commercials they're like they list all the side effects and ain't no leakage yeah i'm like i'm sorry i'm not taking any drug that will allow me to um procure you know certain liquids or whatever like from like my body like that's just not okay it's just <laughs> oh and this is what the show has devolved into <laughs> Oh, Nish, thank you so much, man, like, for hanging out. Like, I'm so, so glad that uh, you decided to hop on and get the chat. And, like, I feel like we barely even got into, like, half the stuff I wanted to talk about, even though, like, an entire 90 minutes has passed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. I'm going to have to come back then. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I guess since you're not really pre-recorded anymore, I was like, you know, you don't want me live because... I will derail your show like none other. It's not going to be fun. Trust me. Because <laughs> it's going to be a lot of nervous, accidental swearing. And I don't know if like Zeno. Oh, no, it's totally cool. Okay. Totally cool. If like Shoot. I wouldn't be. I just said shoot. Um, <laughs> She's I wouldn't... like, gosh, darn it. <laughs> gosh, darn it. I wouldn't be on air for four years if I wasn't allowed to say the words that I say. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> But before you go, shameless self-promotion, tell everybody where they could find you, your show, and feel free to hit up that top 20 thing again, because I think people really, really should listen to that, because you are amazing. Sweet. Yeah. Um, uh, Nichecast. Uh, I'm on Wednesday nights from 7 to midnight central time on Radio Zeno every Wednesday. I'm at Nichecast on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Nichecast, Nichecast.com. And um, yeah, so the, the Radio Zeno top 20 mid-year countdown 
you can vote for any of the songs that you hear in the station that you dig. All you got to do is tweet at Radio Xenu with the hashtag RxTop40 along with the artist and song title. And or if you could do Facebook, you can um, leave a comment on uh, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Radio Xenu. How many more times can I say Facebook? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How many times can you say Coheed? Oh, there it is again. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I'm no longer Ambelina on the internet. I'm Nishcast. <laughs> That's my handle. <laughs> oh man, that's right. I never actually. It's weird. I've had like at least five or six Deftones related internet handles, but I don't oh, think I've goodness. ever had one for Coheed because there's Adrian has issues in Hex's board, and that's it. Like, damn. Like, I hadn't even capitalized on that one. I could have gotten in early. Yeah, I, I was Ambelina, like, on the forums, my MySpace page. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think around, like, 2005 is when I stopped doing that, and I started doing the niche thing. <laughs> I stopped assuming a pseudonym, and I'm just like, hey, I'm niche. Hear me roar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, this was a lot of fun. I like I really had a good time, but you know, the thing is though, I get around music, you can't shut me up, so we will just have to do this again at some point. But that'll do it for this episode of Adrian Has Issues, and we will see you next issue. Hey guys, I'm Adrian. And I'm His Issues. Wait, what? Hey guys, I'm Adrian. And I'm... Wait, wait, that's not right. Hey guys, I'm Adrian. And I'm Eileen. Tune in to the Adrian Has Issues podcast. Each week we chat with some great people. Including me from time to time. Comic book creators, comedians. Musicians and actors. Tax collectors, Zamboni drivers. (sighs) Point is, basically anyone willing to sit down for a geeky discussion or two on all things pop culture. Visit AdrianHasIssues.com where you can download and stream every episode. Especially the ones featuring yours truly. Visit Adrian Has Issues on Facebook and Twitter. And subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Please leave a rating and review and tell me how amazing I am. Us. I mean us. Ah, oh, McKenna, you're way cooler than I am anyway. Oh, thanks, babe. Oh, and Adrian Has Issues is also a proud member of the Tangent Bound Podcast Network. Awesome. Nice save, Brodor. <sighs> Visit AdrianHasIssues.com.